The goal is not, you know, Jesus is coming, be scared. The goal is Jesus is coming and he wants a relationship with you. Is for when the, we see these things happening in the world to go, hey, that's one of the landmarks, Jesus is coming soon, and to give us hope. The world has been hearing the church declare that Jesus is coming soon for 2,000 years. Would I be better off serving God with my time rather than learning something that will only be useful 10, 15 years down the track? But do you think there will come a time when that is the only message you have time to give someone? The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Oz Table Talk. My name is Luke and I am at the table with Dave and Ben as usual, but we have our... Uh, <laughs> what would we call you, Steve? <laughs> uh, That's a returning guest. guest. There's a good word for it. I so, think you Steve, should host the podcast. <laughs> you're, he'll do a better <laughs> job than us anyway. <laughs> welcome back, Steve. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. So, um, the... Before we get into our, our topic for for the study, um, as you guys know, we typically have a review if we've got one. And this week, we do happen to have one. So, I think, Dave, you were going to share that one with us. Yep. Uh, so, today's review comes from Marion, our friend who asked a question recently. Mm-hmm. So, Marion says, if you're looking to grow your faith and trust in God, it's a must listen. These guys are sharing great content. I hope it'll help you out. So, thanks, Marion. But as is our custom, we need to give her a nickname. So... What do you think, boys? Hmm. I don't know if it's helpful, but the last name was... Uh, and I'm sorry, Marion. I'm really <laughs> hoping I don't destroy your last name, but it's Y-A-Q-U-B. So, that Jakob, I, I, I guess. I don't know if that's helpful in the creation of the Aussie nickname. What do you guys reckon? <laughs> I, don't, I can't think of too many positive nicknames associated with that one, bro. Yeah, I know, I think know, I'm right? going to have to go for the first one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but for me, the first thing that came to mind was Maz, but I'm not sure how that sits for a girl's name. No, I think that... I've, I've known a Maz who was a girl. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, shall we shall sure. we settle on Maz? It's very Aussie. It's very Aussie, that's right. But that, And that's the purpose of it, right? Yeah. So. All right, you are now dubbed Maz. Thanks for your Maz. review, Maz. Yes, thank you so much. And look, anybody that's listening, if you enjoy what we do, you think that this mission of having these conversations is worthwhile, please jump onto Apple Podcasts, give us a review, because it's those reviews that help our message to get to more people. So we really appreciate that. So, how are we facing up for our, our uh, Humans of Adventism question? Are you guys ready? Ready as I'll ever be, mate. <laughs> okay, so this one's a pr- fairly simple one, but could be interesting. So, what is one time you felt loved and appreciated? Does it have to be a profound answer or can it just be really simple? It can be really simple. I mean, if you've got something profound, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Not usually, mate. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you've kind of been the brains trust on, on a number of our recent episodes where it's sort of like we all talk and then you just come in and it's like, Boom, mic drop. And that's sort of been the thing. So, I, I don't know. I, I reckon you, you can do it. Well, I'm sorry about damaging your mic. <laughs> uh, one time I felt loved and appreciated. Was that the question? Yes. 
loved and or appreciated. Or and or, okay. Well, I think the thing that comes to mind for me is I've got a little card uh, sitting up on my in a shelf in my bedroom that came from my Sabbath school group and I stuck that there just to remind me uh, why I do what I do <laughs> because, um, you know, there are times where life becomes crazy and you wonder whether you're overcommitted. But there's a certain group of people in my life and they're certainly part of that group that that commitment is worth being snowed under at times for. Um, mm-hmm. And so at Christmas, I think it was Christmas time last year, might have been my birthday, I'm not sure, about, about the same time of year anyway. They just gave me a little card to show their appreciation for what I do in Sabbath school. And mm-hmm. that's that's all sweet and whatever, but the words that they wrote inside the card was um, you know, really meaningful. And so that's something that made me feel loved and appreciated. Hmm. Well, I have a couple of short ones. Uh, and one is sort of on behalf, I think, of like Table Talk as a whole. And that is... If there is ever discouragement or something like that, and you know the podcast takes a lot of work, but occasionally we get those those little points of encouragement from people that listen who will send a message like, "Hey, that really meant something to me," or whatever. And those things they might be they might seem really simple to people that send them, but they actually are the fuel that uh, that we run on. And I really appreciate those. And Marion is a great example. Marion was the first person to ever like do a hand like handwritten hand drawn thank you message card for us. And uh, that was that just blew us away. So so Marion or Thank you so much. Really appreciate you sending that. Um, that's sort of like at, at the ministry level. At the, at I guess a more personal level, the 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 thing that came to mind was that regular listeners will know. About a year ago, my life was in a, a pretty uh, horrible position. But these boys, Dave, Ben, Matt, they they got together. Nate uh, was was Nato still here? I think he was still here, wasn't he? Yeah. They, they got together and they actually shot a video. And considering that they abhor the idea of being in front of a camera, they actually shot a video just to express to me like the, that they were you know going through this with me, and if if I needed anything, that they they were right there for me. And that meant so much because one, what they said was awesome. Two, I knew they hated every minute of what they were doing, but they were doing it for me, <laughs> and so that that meant, that meant a lot. So, yep, I can corroborate that hatred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I wasn't I wasn't uh, sugarcoating it. That was a legit thing. One time that well, it's an ongoing thing that I feel loved and appreciated is the. Tiffany likes to leave little notes around the house for me to find. So usually if she's going to be um, heading off for a while, she'll leave a couple of notes for me to find so that um, when she's away, I'll um, I'll discover them. Yeah, that's pretty nice, eh? Hey? Mm. Does she hide them in places where you won't look for a couple of days? Uh, most of the time they're in plain sight on the okay. fridge or in the mirror in the bathroom. <laughs> but she still knows you won't find them for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> the one on the fridge I may not. Oh, That's very sweet. Oh, sorry. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I guess the most recent one that I can think of was I was doing one of my first cadastral surveys, uh, which is just like land boundaries for property. And I was sitting at my desk having a bit of trouble. And my boss, who's a registered cadastral surveyor, um, he's a great man. And I was like, oh, hey, can I have some help? And uh, he just wheeled his chair over and we just like sat side by side and like he worked me through it. And I guess it's not like 
it wouldn't be love and maybe not appreciation, but I definitely felt mm. valued at that. Like it, it just, it, it's not a big thing, but it mm. felt like yeah. a big thing. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Mm. And if it feels like a big thing, it really is a big thing, you know, no, no matter how small. And I think that's probably one of the great things about love or appreciation. You know, it doesn't always come in the big, like major displays. Quite often it is mm. those simple things. Because actually, Definitely. everything we've shared has been really simple things. Yeah. And, and before we transition into our main topic for this discussion, I just want to challenge anybody that's listening. Think about it for a second. Who deserves some appreciation around you? And do that this week. Show them some appreciation. And as we've all spoken, it's those little things that make a massive difference. And a lot of people run on that appreciation those little pieces that get given along the way they make a massive difference in people's lives so so take a minute and think about someone that you can appreciate actively today so have a go at that Mm. good challenge Mm. so um dave you were the one to feel the idea for this episode so why don't you tell us about it (laughs) righto i'll take the blame if it's a if it's a failure (laughs) (laughs) that's all right i I think it's uh it should be fine it's been a while since we've got anything to the point of being irretrievable (laughs) no it's fine i'm just kidding um so yeah i was just thinking reflecting on the recent political events um that to to be quite honest i don't know a lot about but it's been the talk of you know everybody i've been talking to so obviously i'm talking about the american election and you know (laughs) not only the fact that they have a new president but also the fact that trump is having a hissy fit about it and um, so, yeah, I thought maybe we could explore the dynamic that I think quite often, at least in the circles that I've, I've been around for many years, people tend to think, you know, when a new, new president has been elected or another one I've found is when a new pope comes into office that, you know, uh, the second coming is, is just right around the corner now. You're like, this is going to be it. This is the last one, you know. You can just see this one completely ruining everything, and <laughs> um, and so yeah, I just thought we could maybe we, we could talk a little bit about the election. We could talk a little bit about the way that that's um, maybe potentially going to affect things, but more so just reflect on does that change anything in our lives? The results of world events, whether they be political or even natural events, um, and how they may be pointing to the second coming of Jesus, but does that mean anything for us on a day to day basis? Is that a, a clear enough synopsis and question? <laughs> I think it works well. But it, it's the first question that springs to my mind is, why do people do that? Why is it that we tend to put so much weight on those kind of events, or that weight of expectation of, well, this must mean something? Why, why do we do that? Right. As in, why do we emphasize um, the signs of the times, to quote from you know Matthew 24, I think it is? Mm-hmm. Is that is that what you're asking? Well, m- more so. Why do we why do we perceive that as being supremely important, or at least why do so many people consider that to be supremely important? Like they they need to okay. There's an event that's happened, and so therefore I need to find something in the Bible, something in prophecy to tie to that thing I just saw happen, which seems to be significant. So it must be. So I need to find something to attach to it. Why why the desire to do that? Good question. I'm not really sure to be honest. Do you have any thoughts? Well, the only thing that I can think of is that we we crave certainty. And if we see something that is obviously of world importance, then 
there is the assumption that the Bible must talk about it. Because if it's the most important thing that's happening anywhere right now, and the Bible is accurate, and it's prophetic, and it talks about the end of the world, and we believe that we are nearing the end of time, then if something big happens, the likelihood of it coming, linking to a text in Scripture is probably fairly good, is probably the thinking there. But I think at a deeper level than that, we crave the knowledge that there is a plan and there is something going on that's bigger than us. Whether it is nefarious or whether it is be- is benevolent, we don't particularly care. We want to see that there is some plan that is being worked out. I think mm. in that desire to find some order in the chaos, we tend to project meaning onto events that don't have any any spiritual meaning. Right. Mm. And do you think also, I, I, I can probably only speak for my own denomination here, um, so I don't know whether this will be across the board or not, but do you think also that particularly we as Seventh-day Adventists have been programmed to think that by the fact that we we sort of derive our identity from, you know, this understanding of, of world events and prophecy? I think so. I mean, our church has always been really uh, heavy or, or strong in its presenting of prophecy and so i guess it's no wonder i don't know about you guys but speaking as someone who grew up in and around the church the so much of my early understanding of the end times i had a really clear picture of like a movie reel in my head of what was going to happen at the end and the persecution of god's people and jesus saving the day you know like i had that really clearly in my head and i guess when you're raised on those kind of that kind of imagery then of course you're going to be looking for it under every rock so to speak mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's what's familiar, so you're you're obviously looking for it. And as you were saying, when there's chaos in the world, we're looking for some some amount of control, and um, that in a way that gives it back to us. Often we're putting things into a situation where they don't actually fit. I mean, it's not just us. When you talk about the mark of the beast with other denominations, there's what twelve, thirteen points for it for the sorry for the antichrist, and often they'll just link about four of them and say that's the antichrist, even though you really got to link all thirteen in order to find out who it is. Right, and maybe on the flip side of you know you guys have both pointed out you know certainty and control, and maybe those sort of things are maybe the negative side of this. I think on the other side of the coin, we also want hope, you know, for a better future. Mm. Um, yes. And so the second coming is is kind of like the ultimate hope, really, isn't it? Or, you know, for, if we don't believe in a second coming, then certainly, you know, the promise of, of something better in heaven is, is like the ultimate hope. And so if any event is pointing toward, you know, the that, that event coming sooner, um, then... Yeah, we're going to be excited about that or we're going to be interested in that. So I suppose there's there's that angle too. Mm-hmm. So you who are more interested in politics than me, <laughs> what, what do you think about the results of the US election? Um, is there any merit in people um, thinking that maybe this will be the last president? I would say uh, Ben is probably going to have a lot more to say on this th- than me because, uh, you know, you, you keep more track of the politics that are going on. Uh, but from my thinking, first start, I don't think Biden was ever designed to be a long-term president. But having said that, I think that we are edging closer to the end of time. And so is it possible that he could be the last one? Of, co- of course it's possible. I don't think there are any... I don't think there's any biblical hallmarks to uh, make us think that that's the case. But 
yeah, I, I guess I, I, I think that the Bible would be silent on that particular question. I just don't think there's enough info. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Biblically speaking, there's there's no indication of the character of the final um, final president or pope or any real world leader. That just talks about the characters of nations. So it's I think it's more human nature us trying to, like you were saying, put put importance on something that really biblically there isn't anything really there. And- I mean, we can see the chaos increasing in the world in this last couple of elections, but all in all, we don't know where the where where chaos is going to land before Christ comes back. We we keep saying, "Oh, it can't possibly get any worse," but when my um, my grandparents actually told me a story of when they were um, first thinking about getting married, it was just after World War Two, and they thought that the world was. Had, had gone completely mad and they didn't think it could go on for much longer and here we are what 80 years later yeah 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 uh, having said that um i have i have heard certain people commenting on you know some of the projected policies of of biden versus the policies that trump was you know promoting and mm. The policies mm. that the president makes could have a bearing on the situation of, of the world, um, mm. you know, the climate and the connection between, you know, world superpowers that could, uh, as we, you know, see the prophetic scheme, influence the, uh, <laughs> the, the distance between now and Jesus coming. Um, I'm hesitant to even, mm. even use the words like time in there because I just... I don't think like that, but I can see uh, what I'm trying to say. I guess is I can see the point of view of of those people, even though I agree wholeheartedly with what you guys have said that um, the the Bible doesn't say there's going to be X number of presidents, or you know, you're looking for a president that will do this or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. I can see why if you were interested in politics, um, and a a politician came into power whose policies seemed to be, you know, trending toward, you know, connection with other world superpowers that you perceive to have an impact on the prophetic trajectory that you could Mm. potentially, you know, read into that. Mm. Um, But my question uh, extending from that is, what difference does that really make? You know, Ben, you just talked about your grandparents thinking, you know, the end was coming then. It could well be that one day your grandchildren will say the same thing about you. What is it that, what, what's your policy um, on living today with regards to, you know, the end times, Jesus' second coming, etc.? How, how do you relate to those, those kinds of things? Like a lot of people, I do like to keep an eye out for um, the prophetic markers, but I'm planning on living a full life here because ultimately Jesus may never come in, in our lifetime, but at the same time, on the flip side, we do have to be ready for him to be coming. We should be vigilant. We should be living our lives as if God is coming tomorrow or because any moment our lives can be over. Christ doesn't have to come tomorrow for our life to be over tonight. And so we need to be right with God, but at the same time, we need to be living a full life. You listen to the Christians who will say, Christ will be here in a couple of years. They'll, they'll sell everything off. They'll live for Christ, which all the power to them. But at the at the end of those couple of years, when the money's all up, it's a case of well, what then? Right. What about you, Steve? You've been sitting in the corner all quiet. 
<laughs> what, oh. do you, what do you think? How do you live your life? Yeah. You're you're um, just about to graduate, basically, aren't you? So you've been you've been how do I put it? Developing a career, but you've also had a stint as a Bible worker. How do those two things fit into your picture on this? Well, yeah, it's funny that you should ask because it's actually something that I've been uh, working through, I guess, in the last couple of months has been, I guess I've, oh, I'm not great with words, but I guess I've been kind of graduating, and I know it's a bit late as well, but graduating into my own faith a little bit more and trying to discover what that's going to look like in my life and what that's going to mean for me. So it's actually something I'm still working through at the moment. But um, I'd, I'd almost like to challenge what Ben said mm-hmm. about like living as if Christ is coming and living as if, um, like, as if he could come today or we could die today and be with him like, you know, the, the next moment. But like we need to be right with him mm-hmm. for that event. But I'd like to challenge that point of view in that Jesus wants to live with us now mm-hmm. it's not a I'm coming back for you like he is but the whole point of salvation and redemption is that Jesus and God wants to dwell in us now mm-hmm. so if we're not making the most of that now and like I'm an absolute hypocrite when I say this but <laughs> if we're not living with God in our lives now when he comes back are we really going to want him to be like? Do we really want to be part of what he's bringing if he's not already part of our lives now? Yeah, that's such a great point, Steve. Yeah, and I know you said you're not very good with words, but I just wanted to just emphasize what you said. Graduating into my own faith, I love that phrase. Yeah, paints um, the picture well. Yeah. So, so Ben, what what do you think? Steve's challenging your thoughts. I reckon you're going to see it as a refinement of what you were saying. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Refinement, not <laughs> challenge at all, because ultimately, when I'm talking about living a lifetime, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be living for Christ that entire lifetime, mm-hmm. moment by moment. So, yeah, I think what you're actually saying, Steve, is very important. And if we if we miss um, each and every moment of our lifetime, then what's the point in living the whole thing? And I think it's almost yeah. like what Steve was pointing out to us is that. There's, there's no difference really between, you know, living today with and for Jesus or living for the rest of our lives with and for Jesus, you know? Like the two things should be mm-hmm. one and the same. Is that basically what you were yeah. saying, Steve? Yeah, I guess, I guess it's a lot harder for us now here on earth because we live in our own perceived reality of mm. just humanity and the world we live in and what we can see. And I, that does tint the way we behave and act because we can't see the spiritual world. But oh. yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, Dave, that what what the way we should be living now is exactly the way that we will be and should be living with Jesus when he comes again. And we live such busy lives, don't we? And life just tries to crowd out um, Christianity completely and... We've got to be very intentional about living our lives mm. for Christ because if without that intention, it gets crowded out very quickly. Yeah. And so just coming back to the question about, you know, career versus ministry, I think what I guess what your, your point was, Steve, 
is, is I guess trying to say that there's no dichotomy between you know the the today and the tomorrow experience but do you find that at all challenging like the idea of you know Jesus is coming soon we believe that you know with with all of our hearts and so therefore shouldn't we just give up everything and do ministry and then also balancing that mm. with like what what is ministry actually yeah that and that has been something that I've been um, thinking about as well lately. And it is such a... I guess we perceive an earthly job and working for Jesus as polar opposites. Mm. And it's it's something I'm still trying to get my head around because I see my friends who I went to Arise with off you know, running these churches and doing these amazing things. And I'm like, oh, well, I've been sitting in my office by myself studying online and working at the local surveying firm a couple of days a week mm. and it doesn't feel like you're you know living for god right um, but then you think about it from a logical perspective and someone has to earn money someone has to mm-hmm. you know support the church mm-hmm. um, and whilst it would be awesome if all of us could be in full-time ministry it's we're not actually all called to that and yeah. i think that's a it's a, it's a challenge that a lot of people, well, I can't say that, but it's a challenge that I struggle with because you see all these people doing awesome things and you feel like you should be doing more, <laughs> Yeah. but you, you're not called to be doing what someone else is doing. Mm. Yeah, I, I completely get that. Uh, I was 60 hour um, plus weeks during my 20s to get to where I am today and there is actually a third option there, and that is to use your education and your increased earning capacity to work less so that you can do both at the same time. Right. And yet that mm. requires that sacrifice that you were talking about where you've got to work hard and and maybe, mm. I'm only going to use the word maybe there, but neglect other you know ministry opportunities during that period of time, that season of life. So it's challenging. But can I, can I just ask you a, a question, Steve? Sorry, I'm teasing a lot of things out of you, but... Um, it's just that you said you were sort of trying to work through this and so I, I thought maybe it's a good opportunity to have that conversation live. Um, do you perceive the people you work with, maybe particularly your boss that you shared that story about, um, you know, where you, you felt, you know, valued by him, do you perceive that he would be interested in faith um, if you had never worked in the firm that you work in, like, would he come to a prophecy seminar or a health seminar or something that you might have been running, say, if you had been working as a Bible worker or if you knocked on his door and said, you know, I wanted to run a spiritual survey or something? Yeah, I, I really have a thing against surveys because <laughs> doing Bible working with them is just... I'm not saying it doesn't work, but mm. it, it, it is a real challenge and I admire people who make them work. Um, but I have had conversations in the workplace that, um, especially when people get to know you a little bit more and get to know that you're open and comfortable with them, they're happy to ask those perceived awkward or potentially what some people would consider inappropriate questions Mm -hmm. for a workplace when they know that you're just comfortable Mm -hmm. in who you are and they're like, oh, so why do you do that? Mm -hmm. And yeah, those conversations don't get had by people without right. that connection. And so, uh, I think, you know, you can obviously see why I asked that question because it, it it shows the value of what you are doing 
and it's not to say that you know it's more valuable or less valuable than what you could be doing if you had of you know stuck with bible work or some other form of you know full-time ministry but what i i guess i the way i perceive it is wherever we are we're an agent for for the gospel um and where you are at the moment is somewhere that maybe god wouldn't have had an agent had you not been there um and so rather than us you know dwelling on you know what we could be doing if we were somewhere else maybe being present with where we are um and you know just trying to be the the very best version of ourselves you know after Jesus image in the the place where we find us is actually living you know the the prepared life that we're talking about when we think about you know being ready for Jesus to come back do you know what i mean mm. yeah and I, I would absolutely agree with that i would all Something I was just thinking then, and that is when, I guess when I was at a very different place in my in my faith experience, I would have said that if you're not actively engaged in ministry, and not only actively engaged in ministry, but I mean, we use this expression in, in our particular denomination anyway, that, you know, preaching the soon coming of Jesus, right? The, this concept that uh, Jesus is coming back soon, and we need to get that message, that very specific message out ASAP and almost basically with disregard of everything aside from that message, right? Because that's the only thing that matters. We've got to get that message out there. That has led to a lot of very urgent, let's say urgent preaching. And there are a lot of writings uh, in some even in scripture, but like a, a lot of the founders of our church wrote a lot about this need for us to preach with urgency. But how do we preach with urgency when the reality that we see is uh, not an urgent reality. Uh, so just maybe to clarify, make that a little bit clearer, what you're, what you're trying to say with the reality not being urgent is it doesn't mm. seem like it to, to yes. the rest of the world who aren't engrossed in studies of po- prophecy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, I mean, just like Ben was saying, you know, his yeah. grandparents thought that it was... The time was short and Jesus was about to come. I'm not saying he's not right about to come, but what I'm saying is the world has been hearing the church declare that Jesus is coming soon for 2,000 years. Yeah, That's not to say that our message is wrong, but that is to say that there is obviously some kind of disconnection between what the world is hearing and what the church is saying. And so the question is, how? what is the appropriate response? What would what would Jesus actually be preaching if he was here in the flesh right now? Right, yeah. So, uh, it's probably not a direct answer to your question because I don't feel comfortable with the direct answer. (laughs) 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 I'm just going to be honest about that. But um, the way that I approach that um, personally, because, I don't know, it just feels it feels like the the way I would like to be, I would like to have the gospel shared with me if I were not in the position that I'm in. So the way that I approach that with people is I will tell them about the soon coming of Jesus if they want to know about the soon coming of Jesus. Um, But if they don't want to know about it, there's no point me sharing that with them in that moment. Um, And so for me, that's the principle of evangelism that I operate on. I try to awaken an interest in people, whoever I am, you know, hanging out with at the time to to want to know more. Um, But until I sense there's an awakened interest or they ask a direct question, Hmm. I'm not going to try to put all of this stuff that I think is important on their plate if they don't think it's important. 
Hmm. So, you know, making that particularly relevant to what you're saying, if my neighbors have no sense whatsoever that the world is about to end, I'm not going to go around to their house and say to them, don't you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a new president, you need to get your stuff in order because this thing's going down real soon. Hmm. Like, they would just think you were insane, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I, yeah. I hear your point, Dave, and it's it definitely is, um, it, it definitely is a good point. But do you think there will come a time when that is the only message you have time to give someone? It may, it, it might be, and that's the uncomfortable answer that I didn't want to give, <laughs> 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 because you know, there's a part of me that that knows deep down inside that you're right, you know, that there is a place for that message. Hmm. I, I just don't yeah. find that place in interacting with people on a day-to-day basis, you know. Like I, I went in for a meeting yeah. today with um, my employer at the uni <laughs> and I don't have an urgency, you know, in that meeting to talk to him about the second coming of Jesus. Hmm. But I do have an urgency to be an example of what Jesus is like and the impact that he has on my life and through that to awaken an interest in asking those those questions you were talking about in your workplace that that only get asked once you've built a rapport and so mm. yeah. <laughs> yeah i i don't know i just don't see that um happening in my day-to-day life but i do recognize that there is a place for yeah. it oh and i totally agree with like what you're saying is your your method of evangelism is that you try and inspire the questions but you don't basically just brute force the information yeah. onto mm-hmm. people because that that is very similar to the way I approach the workplace because if you come out right and say things they get seen in a negative light or it can be like you don't end up leaving a good impression and the information doesn't mm-hmm. like get to where it needs to right. go and most then of in, the time. on a worst case scenario it can even be harmful to future opportunities right because you you can be put yeah. straight into the loony bin, like whatever Steve says from now on, we take it with a grain of salt, right? Because you've just come out and said something yeah. that was potentially inappropriate for that moment. Mm. And that's the balance that I'm yeah. so scared of, you know? And that's why I take the, the more measured approach. <laughs> well, ultimately, you know, Bible says that, you know, this is life eternal, like is to know, you know, know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent, right? right. So, that is mm. that is the point of the gospel. That is that is where the person transitions from you know, mortal to eternal life. Like that they that is their salvific experience. Yes, the knowledge that Jesus is coming back soon is important and it should be important to any believer, but I think the starting point is to know Jesus because that's where the eternal life comes from. The fact that he's coming back is good news for those that believe in him. But I think if mm-hmm. we start there, we are starting with an inc- an incongruent argument. And I, I think that the best place for us to start is with a relationship. Because once we have the relationship with the individual, then there is the rapport. There's that respect that has been earned to lend credibility to what you say. If you don't have credibility with the person, then what you say is going to be irrelevant to them. Right. And de- mm. developing a relationship... It, which mm-hmm. is what you're describing, mm-hmm. with a sense of urgency, um, yeah, just doesn't really work. <laughs> ha- 
Like you, you would all, no. you would all have met in your times that desperate person, right? That mm-hmm. maybe they're getting on in their years a little, and they just want to, you know, settle down, have a family, all of those things, and they're like <laughs> persistently trying to find that person, but they mm-hmm. come across so desperate that nobody's even half interested, right? Dave, 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 this sounds like the voice of experience. You've spoken to these people. <laughs> I've I've had friends, many friends. Anyway, we won't go there. (laughs) I'll start dropping names and losing friends. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you get the point, right? And but if we use the same principle in evangelism, Mm. I I just fear the same result. You know, Mm. like Mm. we're urgently urging people to have a relationship with Jesus, but if they don't want a relationship with Jesus at that moment, Mm. then we're turning them away from Him. And yeah. so, yeah, there's that tricky balance where there is urgency about it, but yet we've got to, yeah, I guess recognize what you're saying, Luke, that the, the goal is not, you know, Jesus is coming, be scared. The mm. goal is Jesus is coming and he wants a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we also have to be, is, you know, culturally aware, right? You know, in, in Western culture, what we're saying is absolutely accurate, but in cultures that are Christianized cultures where people have just not yet made commitments, you can afford to treat those cult- like people in those cultures. They they can afford to preach the message to those kind of people in a dramatically different way because it will be received in a completely different fashion. Yeah, so, that's you right. know, we, we have to recognize that this is a very different thing. What we're speaking to is uh, an incredibly secular culture that has not only doesn't have an, a biblical literacy, but they have contempt for the biblical concepts. So we have to approach it completely differently to how someone would in a, in a predominantly Christian society or culture. Mm, that's a very good point. Thanks yeah. for mentioning that. Because in those cultures, you can go all Joseph Bates and it would actually be received quite well. You go all Joseph Bates in our society, they're going to kick not only kick you out the door, they're going to call the police on you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's this thing like, oh, well, then I'm being persecuted for the gospel. No, you're being persecuted because you were stupid in the way that you communicated to somebody. Mm. It might it might be, okay, oh, that sounded harsh. But what I'm saying is... Yeah, but if it was we, true. Yeah. But <laughs> if, if we do communicate, you know, that, that's essentially bringing, uh, you know, 1800s uh, communication to... 2010s experience you know it's it's a completely different language it's a completely different uh world view that those people are viewing it through and so all you're doing mm. is making yourself look like a crazy person at that point yeah yeah you you need a far more christianized or religious society for that sort of thing to work i mean in our current society we have actually heard stories of it occasionally um popping up because you will find a seeker coming around and um, looking for um, that sort of thing. But, yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate that our society's gone as atheistic as it has because you just, you can't get up on a, a box on the corner and preach Christ anymore, can you? No. Well, not without being thought of as a lunatic. Yeah. You get the occasional convert that way, but it's not, it's not effective. Can I, can I just, like, cycle back? One of the initial uh, questions that you asked, Dave, you know, talking about, is this the last president? We were thinking about that um, that view of, I guess, seeing the world in, in that sense of urgency and, and change and, and looking for the, the second coming in the, in the newspapers, right, in the headlines. I was thinking of that and how we often point to the atheism and the secularist mentality of our culture as evidence of the soon coming of Jesus. 
when when you look at the prophecies, particularly Revelation 13, and you know, you look at Matthew chapter 24, but especially in, in Revelation, the picture that we see is actually a heavily Christianized picture, right? Like it is a swing before we see this, uh, this, I'm trying to think of the right word, but basically, you know, we, we see these end time events being fulfilled. The precursor to that is not rife atheism. The precursor to that is apostate religiosity getting out of hand and and may and enforcing its will and on the conscious on the conscience of people and so when people are saying oh the end is near sure i'll agree with the end is near and the you know we're told that the final motions will be rapid ones and so i'm not disputing the fact that it could be over very quickly but we shouldn't be looking at the widespread secularism as the reason for that if anything we should be noting swings toward god at national levels as more evidence of the end being near. So. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Daniel 12 actually highlights that. Daniel 12 or 11? Anyway, one of those verses actually mentions the at some point that society will go from a very secular to a religious before the end. So, yeah, I definitely concur and with that. In order for that to happen, that doesn't happen without cause. You know, So surely there's going to be some catalyzing event that will push us in that direction i have no idea what that is but whatever Mm. that is that i think is something that we can be looking for and when we see that it will be very obvious i think to people who are looking for it it's just a case of observing and it's not it shouldn't be cause for alarm or alarmist thinking right or alarmist messages and i use that word intentionally because i think that people who preach that way essentially put them set themselves up to be the boy that cried wolf you know that that if you if you preach an alarmist message enough times over a long enough time span you may get short-term converts but long-term atheists out of it and so we need to Mm. be aware of how we present the gospel in a responsible way so Hmm. Mm -hmm. uh just the the whole purpose of prophecy Mm -hmm. kind of comes into into the way that we mm-hmm. present it, um, because there's, I'm pretty sure it's a Bible verse that says, um, I've told you these things before that they, before they happen, so that when they do, you may have faith. So the purpose of prophecy, and particularly Revelation, which was written to a persecuted church to give them hope, is for when the, we see these things happening in the world to go, hey, that's one of the landmarks, Jesus mm-hmm. is coming soon, and to give us hope. It's not supposed to be something that we're sitting back waiting for these landmarks to happen and then we go, oh, yes, yeah. I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Or, quick, you better get ready. It's supposed to be like, oh, yes. Mm. Yes, Jesus told mm-hmm. us and he's faithful. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that relationship and that, that hope that we get from prophecy mm. is what we're supposed mm. to be sharing yeah. with people. Good point. Um, so if, if we're finished on that little rabbit hole, just want to come back maybe, maybe in mm. conclusion to um, the initial question, which was whether or not Biden is the last president of America, how does that or how does that affect the way that we live our lives? And I think we're saying it shouldn't affect uh, the way that we live our lives. Mm. So, but just in summary, how should we be living our lives day to day? Maybe think as well in the context of this division between our spiritual life and our secular life that we incorrectly create. Um, and yet, how do we relate to that? I think it was you, Dave. Uh, used the word being present or the expression being present earlier. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that is fast becoming a lost art. We have a preoccupation with other things or getting focused on be that success, whatever that happens to mean to you or whatever it may be. But being present in your faith, I think, is something that as Christians we could do a much better job of. And if we are if we are truly present, then we'll see every person around us as an opportunity to be an ambassador for God, not the one that beats them over the head with a message of, of urgency that they don't need, but the kind of ambassador that, mm. that loves those people consistently so the message will be able to be shared with them over time. And so I think that's the best way that we can utilize our time. Sure, you know, if God has laid something specific on your heart, you know, if that is Mm. going and being a missionary somewhere or in full-time ministry, great, that's fine. But even if that is your calling or if being one of the the supports of a local church you know having having a solid job with income so you can support the work and then put the rest of your time into active ministry if that is your your thing that God has given you to do if that's the rod that he's put in your hand if we want to talk about what was in Moses hand then just focus on that be present with that and don't feel the need to compare your ministry to anybody else's. Just live for God where you are in the, the context that he's planted you in. Yeah. Mm. Another thing that comes to mind for me is Matthew 6, where Jesus is saying, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, mm. you don't even have it. Worry about yeah. today. Worry about now. And so I think in our spiritual lives, we should place infinite value upon now, the moments that we're living each day so that we're seeking to be you know not just present but be that there'd be an uninterrupted connection between us and god you know that our relationship with him would be tight that we wouldn't have erected any walls any barriers between us and him that would obstruct him from sending us those messages that you were talking about luke where he yeah he says you know this is what i want you to do today now you know in five years time whatever it happens to be um Mm. so you know but but live our our spiritual lives day to day as though this is all we have because Jesus said, you know, tomorrow's uncertain, so just just worry about now. A- and then I would say with that division that we're, we're saying, you know, it shouldn't be there, but because it's there, let's speak to it. And in our secu- secular lives, I-, I wonder if we should be approaching our secular lives with a bit of both, whereby we mm. are present, you know, we are focused on today, but we're also conscious of the future and we're planning for the future and we're you know, making intentional decisions to, to grow, whether that be grow ed- through education, grow through, you know, opportunities like, for example, you're setting up a business at the moment, Ben. Um, you know, that's an intentional thing that you're doing to give you opportunities in the future. But if you believe Jesus was coming tomorrow, that could be seen as like a, a dumb, you know, use of your time, right? Mm. But so you're, you're trying to do the best you can do each day the interaction you have with your clients but you're also mm-hmm. planning for the future um, and I think yeah. that would be a helpful way to, to be to, to be able to hold in tension those two ideas um, when it comes to the way we live our secular lives because I know for me I'm a bit like you Steve you know I, I'm much closer to the beginning of my journey of study than than you are but I just always have this reoccurring thought of am I doing the right thing you know would I be better off serving God with my time rather than learning something that will only be useful 10, 15 years down the track in a direct service capacity? Or, you know, should I just be spending each day focusing on the opportunities that I have 
and for me I'm, I'm choosing to do that you know like i'm i'm seeking to build connection with the people that i am uh, seeing day in and day out through my university life and the opportunities that that has opened up and that has has got me connected with people that i would never have met otherwise and so i think from a you know an evangelistic perspective having that attitude opens doors that weren't there previous um so mm. it's not like you you you're standing still you're still being active you're still serving you're just doing it in a slightly different capacity yeah you're looking for the opportunity that god's giving around you and that's closeness with god is allowing him to highlight when those opportunities right. pop up yeah. Yeah. well i think uh, unless you guys have something to jump in with i think that's probably a good place for us to wrap this one up but uh, i really appreciate well steve thank you for joining us i, I appreciate you sort of letting dave guinea pig you into like <laughs> getting through a part of that <laughs> that chat but um really just enjoy all of your perspectives and for anyone that's listening if you've enjoyed hearing this particular discussion please share it with a friend uh, that is how we grow if you recommend us we would love that and if you have any questions or topics that you would like to hear us discuss, we are always super keen for audience suggestions and uh, we would love to hear from you on Facebook or Instagram or you can email us uh, at hello at oztabletalk.com.au and uh, we will love to catch up with you guys next Tuesday. All right, see ya. And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners and we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing mailing list. So I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that. If you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet, you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us. So if you want to help us reach those goals, please jump in and give us a review. The final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our Patreon account. Now, Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And ultimately, what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.